Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, We're here to talk about the offense from that Saints win on Monday night. and Really nice win. A lot to love about the defense. Some things to love about the offense, too, which is very productive and efficient in terms of, of uh, points per drive and whatnot. Here to join me to talk about this is Voss Laricos. Voss, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Three games in a row. Now tied with Buffalo and Kansas City as the only teams in the conference with six wins. Those two are half a game up still. But uh, Ravens are getting on a roll here with the bye week coming up. So uh, a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah, sure is. Uh, before we get too deep into this, let me thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been good to us. 
Uh, I will ask you, Voss, in terms of your for your Twitter handle. Let's make sure we get that out of there out here first. Yes, it's at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. And I am the uh, co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown. All right. Uh, a lot of good content over there produced. Uh, our friend Kyle Barber, who's on the show fairly frequently. Some other people, too. I think Jake Luke is on next week. So looking Great. forward to that. Uh Anyway, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the about the game. I think anytime we talk about the Ravens this year, we seem to be talking about injuries, and they, they certainly went into this game with one hand tied behind their back, injury wise. Bateman lost for the season. Andrews and Edwards out for this game. You know, thinking, hey, it's an interconference game. Maybe they can afford to lose it in terms of some tiebreakers. Yeah, and the extra rest. You know, Andrews is one of the most valuable players on the team, certainly. And um, you're going to need him for that second half run and potentially the playoffs, especially without Bateman. Um, so I think it made a lot of sense to rest them. Unfortunately, they were able to go on the road into a hard environment, a tough environment. Um, I was expecting maybe a little bit more fight from uh, from New Orleans, but the Ravens, you know, they, they had a pretty comfortable win overall. Yeah, really, really was. And uh, uh, just one of those really nice, kind of formula wins in a lot of ways, but let's stick with the injuries for a second for, I'll come back to that. Uh, on the plus side, Deshaun Jackson makes his debut for the team. I'm not expecting much from Deshaun Jackson. The fact that he's already hurt is kind of not shocking. I think to, to a lot of stretch pride <laughs> fans, but, but he has been a very productive receiver as recently as last year. And in fact, I think over the last three years, he'd averaged more, than any receiver in Ravens history ever has in a single season. So his three-year average is greater than the, the in terms of yards per target. Let me be clear about that. Yeah, he seems to have a uh, you know one a breakout game. Uh, you know, a lot of the joke in the fantasy football world would be that the first week of the season, Deshaun Jackson would put up 200 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and then he would become uh, injured. So um, that was a Actually, our, our mutual friend Garnet Garnet West, uh, we were we were joking around before the game that uh, what were the odds that the uh, Deshaun Jackson Deshaun Jackson uh, strained his hamstring as a joke, uh, and unfortunately it happened. But I think he's thirty six years old, so uh, you know you have to temper your expectations to some extent. Sure, and uh, you know the Ravens uh, can't be choosers; they don't have any money to spend. Uh, you know, we the the other. Good news in terms of debuts, the the uh, 2022 debut of Bowser coming back from the injury looked pretty darn good. Uh, you know, pressure right on that first drive, had another quarterback hit late, um, did some positive things in coverage. But basically, it looks like he's winding up to Bowser form. And I, more importantly to, to me, he's back in that Sam linebacker role. Absolutely. I think you saw that, uh, especially his ability as a coverage defender. Um, interestingly, uh, it, he led the uh, the edge defender group in snaps in his first game back, mm -hmm. which was somewhat surprising to me. I thought it'd be maybe a little bit more of a ramp up period, but you know now you have a bye week to uh, hopefully work out that soreness and be ready to roll. Yeah, I I, I was thinking the same thing, but you know he, he's so valuable in terms of basically allowing everybody else to go back to their normal position, mm -hmm. and and you know Adafio has been playing out of position the whole year. People have been beating on him, I think, unfairly, over the top, frankly, in terms of his uh, quote-unquote lack of productivity. He doesn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, he needs to get back to beating a tackle one-on-one, -on -one, figuring out how he's going to slip through the line with a with a stunt, 
a lot of the things that, you know, frankly, Justin Houston has been free to do so far uh, this season. You know, he's come play, uh, and played primarily on passing downs after some early overuse this season. And he's been extremely effective just figuring out how to, you know, basically work off other defenders to get sacks, a lot of what he, what he's done. And, and I think we'll see that from Adafi down the stretch. I, I hope that uh, Bowser's return really is more than the sum of the individual part returned it's uh, it's it's the the outside linebacker core now becomes much more optimized in terms of how they're playing as a group. Absolutely, a, a force multiplier effect from Bowser. Completely agree on OA. He was overworked. You know, prime Terrell Suggs would struggle to put up gaudy numbers playing that kind of workload as a three down outside linebacker in this scheme. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good uh, comparison if you're talking about the most overworked outside linebacker in Ravens history. No doubt about it. Uh, Roquan Smith showed, didn't play the full set of snaps. Wasn't a hundred percent three down player. I, 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 or, you know, every down player. I, I do expect that to change. I don't know about you. Uh, Do do you feel like, uh, you know, given the the draft capital, the Ravens gave up in this deal that they're really expecting a three down player. I do. I certainly do. I think, um, I think it was about 75% of snaps in this first game Mm -hmm. with, you know, only what about a week, a little more, not even a week to, uh, to assimilate into the system. So, yeah, I think he'll get into Patrick Queen's snaps a little bit. I also think it maybe lets a little fire under Queen. Sometimes a little friendly competition can be beneficial for uh, for a player that had a first-round pedigree and kind of walked into the job. Um, now he has to, uh, to compete, and, you know, I'm sure he's unhappy because pre- presumably Roquan's going to take his contract, potentially, I guess, at least. Um, so it gives Queen a, a little incentive to uh, – it also probably frees him up to to you know flow a little bit better in the game. Yeah, I, I think we saw that when Bynes showed up last year was that Queen was better as a trail player, and mm-hmm. you know then you get a little bit of flack from the microphone from the defensive coordinator telling you don't even understand the positions. You know, there's a mic in this. Well, no, 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 no. Don't tell me <laughs> you know, how, how the tight end in motion changed him from the will to the mic kind of thing. Right. You know, right. I, I don't want to hear that <laughs> crap. I know enough to you know. Mama didn't raise no fools. Anyways, anyways, so so, uh, uh, I wish that were actually true in my family, by the way. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so Roquan made his debut. Immediate impact. I'm in agreement with you that I think the the competition for snaps at multiple positions now, because a cornerback has a slot Mm -hmm. corner has competition for snaps. The the, the play from Hamilton, we talked a lot about this in the defensive pods. I'm not going to repeat it, but Hamilton's play. Total new dimension for the defense to have him at slot corner. You you excited about that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. He looked really, really good uh, in run support, especially. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it was Seattle two years ago or three years ago where they just played like the least amount of nickel as far as three cornerbacks on the field, and they kept a lot of linebackers on the field, which is usually not a great idea. But if you have multiple safeties and linebackers that can cover as good or almost as good as your corners, then then you know you have to adjust, adjust to your personnel. Yeah, I, I I think that's exactly how they're looking at it. You know, Hamilton, a guy they want to get on the field anyway. Uh, if they're if they're playing their best players right now, then then Clark Stone and Hamilton all have to be out there. And mm-hmm. that third cornerback is is really the weakness of the defense. Their ability to hide it, I thought, was exceptionally well done in this game. Let's go with Ajabo and Kolar. We still haven't seen. We'll probably see them in the next game. I I would guess. I'm not 100 percent sure we'll see Ajabo. I'm actually not, not 100% sure we'll see either, but I would guess we're going to see both because Kolar has to be activated and somebody has to be cut. 
and there were there was there's a little bit of Harbaugh dialogue on the on the uh, the, the presser yesterday that would indicate that there's a tough cut coming. And I wonder if he kind of, you know, let his lips get a little loose that Nick Boyle's on the block right now. Um, it could be. I could certainly see that. I mean, you know, they're, they're short receivers, so I expect them to carry more tight ends naturally. Um, but that could be Kolar's job. Boyle played more snaps than he has in this game, mm-hmm. uh, especially second half. Um, didn't necessarily uh, give you a whole lot of confidence that he's going to be a difference maker. Um, I could see Boyle. I think perhaps one of the special teams only inside linebackers might be a, a, an easier cut to make. So Welcher Phillips would be one of your guys. And, and and now, you know, a key special teams player, he's certainly a core guy there. Malik Harrison is getting less snaps at outside linebacker, less mm-hmm. snaps at inside linebacker by those two returns. So he's getting a little squeezed. And I don't know how you keep three guys that are inside linebacker. I've, I've always felt like the Ravens, couldn't afford to have guys on for just special teams when you have needs on both sides that are so significant. I mean, an extra wide receiver who could really just do a little bit for you as a receiver and also play special teams right now would be very valuable to the Ravens. Uh, and and they they even even though they probably like what Phillips and Welch have done for them on special teams, I still think they might make that exchange. Right. I was surprised that they kept both of them to, on the initial 53. Uh, and not to mention uh, John Ross or Josh Ross was also mm-hmm. on the team. And there was some talk that maybe they were going to go to more of a, an even man front. And that never really materialized. We haven't seen Welsh or Phillips have more than a handful of snaps uh, on defense this season. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with you there. A receiver or, or another player in certain packages, they could be useful. But, you know, even in goal line, you're not going to have – four inside linebackers on the field, you know, in, under no circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's uh, uh, the, the players who get, we don't have to go into what, what, what happens in goal line. I, I, Kolar, do you think he'll have an impact on the offense immediately? Um, I think he would probably be coming to competition with Josh Oliver um, for some of those, you know, heavy personnel snaps. I think Oliver's done pretty well, had a nice play in this game. Um, I think it remains to be seen, really. But they are a lot of condensed sets and and heavy personnel. I mean, that's what they are this year. Uh, yep. There's just that's what they're going to be, especially without Bateman. Yeah, they're the they're the make the point every show, and I got it coming up on my list of things to talk about here. They're the heaviest team in recent NFL history. It's probably been decades since any team has played as heavy uh, as the Ravens have. So, uh, uh, really remarkable w- what they're doing. They're just basically telling every team, primarily the second half, we're going to run the ball, and you, we don't think you can stop us. Mm-hmm. And most mm-hmm. of the time they're right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's see what else we got to talk about. Uh, real identity game for the Ravens. Uh, 40 rushes for 188. Not a tremendous, you know, we look at 4.7 yards per carry. If this were the 2003 Ravens or the 2000 Ravens, we'd be like 4.7 yards per carry. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's right. actually a reduction for this Ravens team. And, you know, we expect Jackson to contribute so much to that. It's like, why are the running backs letting down their end of the bargain is, is my immediate reaction to it. But uh, Yeah, well, I think, you know, they had four or five tackle for loss on run plays this game, which yeah. I think brought down the average considerably. Uh, yeah. Lamar, what was the stat they showed? Seven and a half yards per carry is his average. Um, so, you know, he's he's a one-man rushing offense in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, he's, he's certainly get it done. I don't know if you saw the tweet today, but Don Kleinman put out a tweet today that basically said, but the Ravens now have eight consecutive 150-yard rushing games. Okay. There's only four teams in the Super Bowl era that have had more. The 72 Dolphins, the 75 Steelers, the 85 Bears, and the 73 Dolphins. All of those won the Super Bowl. Hmm. Two other teams had had eight also, but the uh, the Ravens are poised you know, to play some teams coming up where I would not say that the NFL rushing record is out of range. They need to average 223 yards per game to do it. Um, they're, you know, they'll have a couple of difficult rushing games, maybe against the Steelers, who they still seem to be able to run on, you know, when they get there. Um, but the biggest thing about, about having a great run game and being able to pile up the kind of run numbers they did in Lamar's first season, in 18 down the stretch, the mm-hmm. biggest thing about it is having a great defense. Great defense gets the other team off the field. You got the lead. You want to run the ball anyway. You run it right down their throat. They've been on the field a ton. They get tired. You you get even more success. And that's, I, to me, 223 yards a game, I look at that. It does not look out of the question given their opponents. It'd be a great number. It'd be a great record to set again. And it wouldn't be as good as the 2019 Ravens because they did it in 16 games. But it would still be freaking impressive. Absolutely. Uh, they're really coming together. I mean, as you said, it's an identity game, and I, I completely agree the complementary football nature of it where the defense is setting up the offense to be able to use that kind of game plan. If the defense is allowing the other team to put points on the board, you can't do that. You just can't do it. Um, so I thought it interesting. What was it, the first two, three weeks of this season, everyone was very concerned about the Ravens' run game, and mm-hmm. it, does, uh, it seems to <laughs> seems to have come together pretty well. Yeah, it has. And and honestly, it doesn't seem to matter who the running back is. And Kenyon Drake was, you know, frankly, playing like crap early in the season. Part of that was the offensive line didn't have Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley back has, you know, completely fixed the offensive line in some in some big domino ways of of all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're getting better play from a lot of positions uh, and they're getting better run blocking, uh, I, I would say, from across the line. Well, that's the whole, you know, running back valuation argument and the replaceability of the position. I think if you look at any running back that's been in this system with Lamar and Greg Roman, they've been pretty productive, pretty efficient. Going back to Alex Collins, obviously Gus, um, Justice Hill when given opportunity. And even last year, Freeman and Murray, sure, they weren't breakaway threats like a Dobbins is going to break off a 50-yarder, but they still had some very good games, efficient games, pretty good yards per carry average, even when Lamar was out of the, the game, out of, you know, uh, injured and the offensive line wasn't great, but just that's what Roman I think provides for you. This is a whole other conversation, but for me, I think you'd be better off more efficient investing where the positions where Roman doesn't elevate and going really cheap at running back going forward. Real cheap at running back. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so, they invested a lot of draft capital in Dobbins. They invested a lot of actual capital in Edwards. Uh, so they, you know, go, going, I mean, there's, there's not a ton to be saved in, you know, getting rid of Gus Edwards contract. I mean, it's not like that's going to buy you your new right tackle that you need if, if right. that comes up, Call but it's three million probably. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, and that might mean 2 million of savings relative to the other veteran back you sign or the other even first year guy you loot off somebody else's pile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you don't end up with a huge savings from it, but it's, it's some, uh, what do we want to talk about? Uh, Greg Roman in general, where, where do you stand on him Voss, in terms of, of, 
uh, what he's provided for the Ravens. Is, are you in in a fire Greg Roman camp or a keep him? Where are you? Um, I'm going to give Greg Roman a more well-balanced roster camp. I think Greg Roman is not the best designer of pass offense, and Lamar's not the best thrower of the ball outside the hashes up to the boundaries. So to me, that's even more reason to invest at, at receiver. We saw it in the first half of the 21 season when they had three first-round wide receivers and Mark Andrews on the field at the same time. Lamar engineered four of the six fourth-quarter comebacks of his career in that season. I think Greg Roman's scheme is good enough. I think maybe they just need to rethink, do they want to invest in a fullback and a blocking tight end and you know running backs to take what's going to be a really good rush offense and make it dominant or do they want to try to find better balance by investing where maybe a better personnel could prop up where Roman and Lamar might need a little propping up. Right. Okay. I, I, I understand the point. I do think part of the beauty of the Ravens scheme and it's a point of attack offense, which means they are investing in tight ends. They are investing in fullbacks, obviously to get that done. Part of the beauty of that is it gives offensive plays, run plays, longer to develop so you don't have to worry about guys always breaking free in off the edge because the edge is usually covered you got motion defense has to be very worried about motion and pulling and whatnot so they're not usually in the backfield the way they can be against bigger backs really trying to penetrate and make plays and whatnot so you often draw plays have a good chance to work under this Mm -hmm. scheme and i think that's that's part of what i really like about it the biggest thing the biggest draw of all is typically the Lamar Jackson pulling the football and going. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 the thing I, 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 I wouldn't invest in this because I think you can get it cheap in the draft. I want to, I want a high value sidecar speed back for Lamar to play with that really stretches the field to one direction, whereas counters jet motion can can stretch it to the other direction, and Lamar can keep his eyes forward for that best rushing opportunity. And I, they've that guy has eluded them. Justice Hill's been pretty good this year, and and I wish they would play him more snaps in exactly that role. Kenyon Drake is not quite the guy; he doesn't have quite the speed I'm talking about. Um, so so I think they they need somebody maybe maybe a little more durable a runner. If they had a quarter L Patterson, um, that'd be really cool because I think he could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but there are others as well who who are um, you know non-veteran backs there's probably you know if Raheem Mostert was on our practice squad maybe there's another Raheem Mostert on somebody else's practice squad but he'd be perfect for the role too yep absolutely sure um anyway I'm thinking of a a player that came into the the draft last year I think he's on the Chargers but um yeah I think that's you know you stress the defense with speed the more speed you can put on the field the better off chance you have of making a trump play um but it's just going back to Roman, I, I think he's had a very good season. You can nitpick some of his short yarded situational play calls, and I have. But overall, uh, I think this game too. I mean, I think he really had an A game calling plays. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I thought the Tampa game confusing in a sense that they'd be passing so much in the first half. I don't know why they tried it, but if it was their plan and they just wanted to turn on the switch and you know not tell anybody like this is some sort of a movie. <laughs> you're playing football because that kind of thing always happens. You know, the, the ringer shows up for the second half. Right. Uh, <laughs> then, then it was, you know, then it was a, a pretty good strategy. From that. But the, everybody seems to be backing Harbaugh's story on that. So uh, <laughs> it, they had a- <laughs> it reminded me maybe of the Rams game from 2019. And that he just 
Roman just seemed to always be out on the right foot in front mm-hmm. of him. Where they thought he was going to run, he passed. When he thought he was going to pass, he ran. Um, I think some a little bit of revisionist history with that season. They set up the run with the pass quite a bit in during mm-hmm. that 2019, and maybe they're trying to jump out in front of Tampa. But one way or another, you know, second half, the run game took, took care of business. Yeah. And there's, you're, you're definitely right about that. I mean, they, they ran because they won a fair amount and they were way out in front of games uh, at will scoring at a points per drive rate. We've hardly ever seen in NFL history. Uh, good, good, you know, 3.0 points per drive in this game. I, I, I do try and look at that every game to just, just see what do they do, but you know, 27.9 drives, they, they did the job here. Defense set them up with some decent fields uh, and most notably on the interception, but, but even so kept them in the back end of their field for punting purposes. Didn't get pinned way back on any, uh, you know, starting positions on drives. So that was nice. Uh, and, and the Ravens are, are, are doing the job offensively. Most drives they're, they're getting multiple first downs and they're, and they're moving the football. So, uh, so that's good to see nine of 15 on third down in this game to, to go along with that. They never had to go to fourth down. We have not seen as much of that from the Ravens this year, not as much going for it on, Fourth and one, fourth and two in opposing territory. And I know we got some, we got a couple of sticklers in there that really hurt the going for it on fourth and two uh, and not scoring, going for it on fourth and one and not scoring on the fumble at the goal line. You know, there were definitely times that, that they haven't done it as hurt, but they haven't done as much of it as they did in 19 in terms of a lot of fourth and two, three, four going forward in opposing territory and having it not work out. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the down a distance has to get, put you in that opportunity. First of all, they didn't have that really in this game. Only two punts, if I recall. Uh, secondly, um, maybe uh, maybe Linderbaum, uh, you know, his size and his maybe his lack of size contributes to maybe not going for for quite as many uh, short conversions. Yeah, uh, Linderbaum's certainly a very polarizing character. We'll get him into the offensive line. That'll be in part two of the show when we uh, uh, when we do that. Uh, you may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores, but that's not beer. That's why it's in the water section. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out liquid death, pick it up yourself, and go on over and get it at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. You know, we talked about the, about the defense really providing the opportunity for the run game. I think we'll, we'll see more of that. You know, one thing about this game that was a little bit surprising to me, they, Lamar did try and hit likely a few times with limited success. Obviously, the touchdown pass, really well-designed play. Uh, you know, it was a it was a three men held into set block, only two in the pattern. So for likely to get free on that, they had to really sell it as a run as a power QB run. And they, I think they kind of did. Um, they made the good point, though. Somebody on that defense was probably yelling pass. It's a very loud building. So I don't know how that's going to really help them all that much. 
<laughs> but somebody on the defense was probably yelling pass as they saw a no offensive lineman cross the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a beautiful placement of the ball by Lamar, his best go to throw of the game for sure. Um, yeah, definitely really nice play design, rolled out to the right, and you know, dropped it right there in between coverage. Uh, good, to, good to see Likely be in the right place. And, uh, you know, he, Likely obviously a big drop later on the right that almost turned into an interception. That would have been it would have been such a lost in the trust bank for, <laughs> for you know, basically hand that ball over to the, the defensive back there. And then, uh, you know, on the left sideline, he had a chance to make a catch. It would have been, a you know, it was a difficult diving, kind of go after the football, almost like a ball had been tipped up in the air. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't able to come up with that. Not a great game for Lamar in terms of throwing a clean football. There were a couple mm-hmm. balls that came out of his hands. They almost looked like he didn't have the laces or something else was funny because they just didn't come out as a spiral. Yeah, there was at least, and especially that one down the left sideline to likely, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a wobbler. And then I think there was at least two more that I couldn't quite see if they were tipped or if the, maybe mm-hmm. somebody gr- gr- glanced his arm, but but yeah, they, it was not um, you know the, the throwing clinic of, of tight spirals this game. <laughs> <laughs> now, what Lamar did do well, he got the he got a, a, a completion to ten different receivers in this game, and I, I don't know if they were really scheming to make that happen, but it almost seems like you have to if you if you're that efficient spreading the ball around. So you know everybody, first of all, getting ten different receivers a target when you only get twenty two passes off is pretty money, but getting ten different guys a reception is even uh, more unusual. And and I think this is one of these games that doesn't leave a lot of obvious tape for the next defensive coordinator to work with. Now they've got plenty of other stuff they can look at from the past, but not from this game. Yeah. Well, only what all of those receivers were targeted, but the most catches made by any receiver was two yep. and, uh, and likely was most targeted with five. I believe Robinson had four targets and, uh, and that was pretty much it. Um, it reminds Lamar in this situation to use to, to kind of do a, a basketball analogy. He's a scoring point point guard, mm-hmm. basically. And this is, and now with with Bateman hurt and Andrews missing this game, and he's he's just distributing the ball to to people for open three pointers, and then he drives to the lane to make a layup when they when they need a bucket. You know, that's kind of that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very much. Uh, that's a good analogy there. Hey, you know what's what's scary is when we think about scoring point guards. I wonder who's the guy who comes to mind for you. And I, I this is really aging myself uh, it, to say this, but if you talk about scoring point guards, you know, I think of guys from the seventies, and you're probably yeah. thinking of guys from the nineties or two. Iverson, Iverson was the was the one that I was thinking of on Monday yeah. night for sure. Allen Iverson. How about Steve Francis at Maryland? Yeah, I you know, remember him. Good years, player. You know, a, lo- a long time ago, one-year player. Uh, anyway, you, 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 there's certainly guys that uh, that fit that mold. Anyway, uh, what else we want to talk about here? Let's talk about Lamar a little bit. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about what kind of opportunities he had because this is a surprisingly outstanding game for him getting ATS opportunities. 13 out of 25 times, 52% season high in terms of ATS opportunities. Now, what did he do with that? Well, he was 7 of 11 for 90 yards and took two sacks for zero. So <laughs> not that great. There were some coverage sacks in this game, and, and there was you know a handful of plays where he had time and there was no, no one to throw to. No one was uncovering. So that's a product of not having your top two targets out there uh, from that you started the season with, I think. 
Yeah, it's it's it seems like, and the Ravens did a lot of chip blocking in this game, but but it seems like they should have had more leaking into the the pattern, and that should have created some late opportunities. Lamar held the ball for a long time in this game. Three point six five was his average time to throw, by far the highest in the league this week. I think the second highest was something like three twenty eight. It bumped his season back of average back over three at three point oh two, which is third highest in the entire NFL this year. Uh, to me, you know, he, he was faced with mostly a four-man pass rush. Um, it's it's still fairly incredible that better throwing opportunities or more connections did not accrue from having as many good opportunities ever, even with seven in coverage. Uh, you know, yeah. you you, you got to have guys leaking out. You got to be able to make more out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the challenge going forward this season is to find ways to to uncover, you know, your Duvernay and and likely and, you know, just all hands on deck. But you got to mine production from players that haven't had exceptional production so far. Yeah. There's a, uh, uh, a guy who approached me on Twitter said that he thought – and I, I'll, I'll try and give correct credit here while while you you have a chance to respond to this. Okay, he said that he thought it's possible that a running quarterback um, may be having a harder time throwing accurately because he gets more tired. And it's an interesting idea that you know you 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 you're you're running around, you come back, you're tired, then you're on the run again, and your mechanics as a thrower can can be off. And that a pocket quarterback, you know, because they're, you know, they're not expending nearly the energy, just isn't the same uh, situation. That's at Kev on football, by the way. If you want to give at Kev on football a uh, uh, a follow, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting thought. Makes sense logically. I mean, a stationary uh, pocket passer is is not probably running getting their heart rate even elevated on a lot of plays compared to Lamar who's running side to side and eluding three guys and you know read option darting up the field I think he's probably if they had some type of uh, what do they call that the, the tracker that they yeah. put on their bodies he's probably spending three times the calories that uh, Joe Flacco would spend in a game <laughs> <laughs> I hope so yeah so. <laughs> Anyway, 6.9 yards per play with Lamar with ATS. Ball out, ball came out quickly four times. Now, it didn't need to come out quickly. They didn't need a scheme to come out quickly because it was mostly a four-man rush that that uh, New Orleans was throwing at them. A little bit of Demario Davis mixed in there as a blitzer, a little bit of Werner, but mostly it was a four-man rush they were throwing at him. Uh, the, the three, he completed three out of four ball out quicks for 28 yards, so 7.0 yards per play. Nothing wrong with either of those uh, in a vacuum. If you could, if you could do the same on your pressure attempts, but he was pressured eight times, which is not terrible. It's a, you know, it's 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 probably okay for for that number. The ATS number is exceptional for the offensive line, so the eight pressures is probably okay for that number. He completed only two of seven passes for thirteen net yards. That included a sack for minus two, so one point six yards per play. It shouldn't be quite that bad, and I think. Uh, now, it, the, the number that they quoted on TV, I think, was against the Blitz that he'd had a bunch of consecutive completions. So all they're saying there is when the other team rushed five or more that he'd had a bunch of completions in a row. Yeah, and they got home on that one A-gap Blitz, I believe, in the third quarter. I thought um, there was a couple plays where they had a play action, and then Lamar 
got the ball out quick after play action. One was the the big play uh, down the sideline to Jackson. I think it was about a 25-yarder that came back on Moses being downfield. Uh, yes. But but uh, but he had um, Lamar, I'm talking about, on the play action, he would you know put the ball in, pull it out, and then it looked like he was throwing darts. Mm-hmm. There was one or two or three plays specifically. I think he hit um, – I don't know if it was Oliver, somebody on a little a little slant. I, mean, I think it was Prochet off of, off of another play action play. So those those look good. So um, you know he had his feet set and just threw darts. Yeah, I I, I do like those forward facing fakes. I, I Lamar, I I just think you're better off with Lamar if he's constantly reading the field and not doing traditional turn your back play action where the field has to be reacquired. Because Lamar is processing a set not only of pass opportunities, but of run opportunities for himself from, from that. And so it's it just I think it helps him to try and track where maybe a lineman's rush is going to see if if he perceives a gap opening can, can maybe can even one of the things we'll probably see as Lamar's career develops more is that he'll be able to do more as a runner by pump faking. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I, I don't think we see that that much from Lamar. I'm not saying we never see it. I just I, I just don't think he manipulates linemen and linebackers with a pump fake uh, the way he manipulates them with the other things that are going around. Reads what's happening and just takes off. Um, he, he's a uh, he, he's definitely someone who could stand in the pocket and do some of that and and do probably more than he does. Yeah, definitely agree on the forward facing play action. Some of the best quarterbacks don't like to turn it back on the defense. And for a guy like Lamar, who's constantly processing 10 different potential, what am I going to throw here? Am I going to run here? Am I going to run this gap? Um, makes perfect sense for him to have that, that, that panoramic view of the field to be able to, to make that decision as the orchestrator of this offense that he is. I guess we talked about a few of the balls that Lamar missed in this game, some some ugly balls coming out of his hand, obviously. But one of the things that, that has been now true for the last several weeks, I guess since the Giants game, since that interception in the fourth quarter against them, is he's done a much better job taking care of the football. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's fumbled during that time other than the the um, one Moses kind of dislodged from his hand in this game. Uh, right. but, but, but he hasn't. Th- I don't think he's thrown an interception since that Giants game either. Uh, I do not believe so. And that just to, just to touch on that play, <laughs> I thought that was sort of surprising the way he scooped it up and then threw a, a catchable ball on, on a rope for about 30, 40 yards in the air uh, as he was after he picked the ball up. That was a pretty miraculous incompletion. Yeah, it was it was one of his, his better plays. It's the kind of thing like you just shake your head at because I, it, 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 it people would say he got a gravy hop and whatnot. Well, Lamar's pretty reactive to the football on the ground. Is pretty good about picking it up. And then he's still in. It's not. It didn't even cross his mind to dive on that football and cover it up. And I think that you know, if that was Brady or Manning or somebody like that, they'd be all over that football. They didn't know they they wouldn't make any attempt to pick it up and throw it out of bounds. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that was uh, uh, some neat stuff. I, I we did not see the same sort of pressure scheme from the Saints in this game, and and that was one of my concerns going in was that they've been three or four consecutive weeks, really since the Cincinnati game, where the Ravens had been consistently and Lamar had been consistently affected by pressure, and it's this odd man pressure where it's marginally delayed. So if Lamar shows any indication of moving out of the pocket, not when you okay. 
basic rule of 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 football is if you're the spy or the inside linebacker who's who's uh, got a, a a zone coverage responsibility closest to the quarterback the side he rolls to as soon as that pocket breaks you run right at the quarterback even if you're even if you give up on a coverage responsibility to do it you run right at the quarterback and this was a case where um other teams and particularly with JOK Cleveland was very effective with it I think that Logan Wilson has good reaction time, which is better than, than what his actual speed is, and he's in on the quarterback quickly. That They're coming after Lamar um, before he even breaks the pocket, as soon as they sense it will happen, mm-hmm. just to get that extra man pressure after the Ravens have already decided you know, who's blocking who, and then it becomes more difficult for somebody to make that blitz pick. Yeah, I think Davis had one or two in this game with the kind of the delayed um, – you know, I think they're going to keep saying that. That's they're going to have to, uh, but they can run into it sometimes. I think potentially as well, and still, if they can get past that first man, um, then you have some space. It's it's a tricky situation. I think you know, Greg Roman his vault is going to is going to have to uh, to produce some answers against some of those teams that can put a you know they're not down their top cornerbacks and they can put their corner on an island and just bring those safeties down and those linebackers down, it does present a tactical schematic potential vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, they they will need to find some ways to deal with that. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back uh, talk about uh, – actually, no. We're going we're to talk about one more section here before we, before we break off here. Uh, we still saw a lot of counters in mm-hmm. this game. So talk about a few scheme elements here. Uh, Ravens seem to have that fully embedded now. That's part of you know the way Roman wants to do it. And two-man polls seem to be mm-hmm. maybe even more common than one-man polls. I'd have to actually check it for the season to see if that's true, but we've seen a lot of polls from tackle. Both sides. They, yeah. they had two-man polls from the right and the left this game, and both of them were successful plays, if I recall. Um, yeah, you know the, that, that definitely hit my notes as well as far as the counters. I'll give you a total number of counters they ran in this game because it's a lot. Seven right to left, and four others left to right. So that is a heck of a lot of getting your tackles moving. Um, doesn't always work, but it does draw the interest of a linebacker like nothing else to see um, players on the move. So uh, it's a it's it's part of the part of the Roman scheme. I, I, one thing that is. I'm noticing more right now, and the Ravens are trying to do a little more zone blocking in terms of their plays. They've, you know, they have they have a multiple concepts. Obviously, they have in use in, uh, on their. They're not a zone team. They're not a power team exclusively. They're they're a little bit of everything, and and they don't look natural when they're doing zone blocking. The only guy who really looks natural to me right now is Moses. Uh, now Stanley has some ability, but but all of them are getting their face crossed in a way they're just not used to. Uh, Linderbaum's a little quicker; he probably happens less to him. Uh, even even Zeitler, who's you know obviously he's been in the league for a long time, understands a lot of different schemes, has a little bit of trouble with it. Powers looks very awkward. Yeah. Uh, Stanley looks you know has occasional problems with it as well. And and you know Stanley normally as is a positional blocker is so outstanding. It must feel like he's trying to block with one arm behind his back to, to, to play these zone schemes because it's it's just it's it, it's constantly making him something do something that's a higher degree of difficulty for blocking for him than it than it 
maybe seems like it's necessary to do. Uh, yes. And Powers in particular, I've noticed he does struggle with some of those concepts. I think some of the, ta- you know, the tackles for loss or the yard, the run plays where they lost yardage war zone plays. Um, I know some people want more of that. You know, I think it is a good element to have, and then you can sequence plays off of that to potentially open something up. But I don't think that's going to really amount to a bread and butter type of of consistent thing. They just that's not the specialty of most of the linemen. So it is what it is. Yeah, if you if you're going to have a set of elephants, even if you stick Linderbaum in the middle of that, uh, you know, there's only so many so many plays where you can you can play to his strength to have him go out in space, to have him make a block, you know, his own block or whatever it might be, but a block in front of a screen, a block in level two, whatever it might be. You, you really have to um, be still trying to take advantage of what everybody can do, not just trying to fit how Linderbaum is strong into certain other play types for that purpose. It's like, like letting the tail wag the dog. Uh, Linderbaum can help you in a lot of ways, by the way. There's no reason why he can't help you resolve double teams in a power scheme more quickly get to level two himself and really help you that way or where he would have trouble with the behemoth get that extra chip at the line of scrimmage from either guard that's going to help him control that guy and not not be blocking off balance as we've seen on some pass plays so i think there there's 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 good opportunity to use linderbaum actually in either scheme uh it's it's but it shouldn't be they shouldn't move to maybe more of a zone scheme just because of linderbaum anyways my opinion I completely agree with that. That was a potential, you know, reason why they may have avoided him in the draft altogether. Um, so, you know, you, you don't you don't want to mix and match too much for one player. I think we should also give the Saints front some credit here. Mm-hmm. They are one of the better run defenses in the NFL. They have been for multiple years. I believe they were, if not number one, right at the top of EPA rush run defense EPA heading into this game. Um, and the Ravens handled them pretty well. So I think that is – I know their defense was banged up on the back end, but up front they were pretty healthy. Yeah, they, they did have some other injuries as the game progressed. I want to say Davenport was hurt, and I'm not sure if the Cam Jordan at some point uh, got hurt, but he didn't play that many snaps. He played 39 snaps in this one. So uh, I, I was taking a little bit of a look at it. I thought that the 4-3 front from the Saints was just going to be a little bit small against what the Ravens could provide. Of course, if you want to really take advantage of that, you know, run more power. In that, now, I know, I know they have good, they have good linebackers. Demario Davis and and Werner has some diagnosis skills that seem to be pretty good. But it's it's, uh, I think it's, I, I think it's the kind of team that they might be a good run defense team against anybody else. But like the Steelers, we've seen in past years, when the Ravens come to town, a whole different story. Is mm-hmm. they, they just, it's a different scheme to have to uh, try and defend against. It's very difficult for a lot of DCs. Good point. I think it's difficult for almost all DCs. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the heavies per play a little bit early, but they used two, they were back to 2.32 heavies per play in this game. And I've been kind of tracking this all season. I know people are hearing me say this, maybe get tired of it. Tough. Uh, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> one of these things that's, that's really unique about this team is it's, they, they play the heaviest scheme in, in probably decades, but definitely the last six years in the NFL. Um, no NFL, I don't think you've been on during the, during the time where I've been talking about this, but no NFL team has played as many as 2.0 heavies per play in the last six years. Um, and that the the ninth, sorry, the 2019 Vikings 
played almost exactly 2.0, but it's a little bit less because they played some pony in there. I don't know exactly how much less. I, I it, it would take me another level of study to get to that. But I, I got this from the Lee Sharp site and looking at their packages by by uh, uh, personnel, and and you can then calculate how many heavies and the heavies, offensive linemen, fullback, and uh, tight ends. Mm-hmm. So back up to 2.32 heavies per play this year. You know, again, no team. This 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 game, two point twenty six for the season. Uh, you know, they're they're literally more than a quarter tight end heavier than any team has been in the last six years. And literally, I don't know how many decades it's been since someone's played this heavy. It, we, it might be back in the eighties. It wouldn't even shock me if it were in the seventies. Mm-hmm. That you know, you 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 have this much. But eleven personnel now has been pretty much entrenched in the NFL for about twenty years. And they just have they rarely go to it. The 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 zigzag. That's the the epitome of the zigzag, and uh, it, it's it's working well. I mean, that was something that after the, the Hollywood Brown trade, you should, how how are they going to be able to line up in eleven? Well, they just don't line up in eleven that much, you know. And it's working. So you know, who knows how that'll pay off in the long term. Um, I think there's one big weakness that the team potentially has, a potential game script issue. Uh, but it's possible that they can avoid that situation altogether, if, especially with the, the way this defense is coming on. I, I, I'm sorry. Ex- expand on that a little bit. One, one so the com- so the, the comeback, the situation where they're trailing by double-digit points, um, that's when that was the potential vulnerability of the 19 team, the 20 team, uh, maybe, maybe not the 21 team, but, but I think that's still a, that's remains to be seen. That's the one you look at the roster, the defense is prepared for any scheme, any personnel grouping, anything. The offense is a little bit more. We're going to do this one thing. And it's almost like if you're a golf player um, and you hit the ball into the sand trap and you don't have a wedge, you know, it's almost feels like they don't have that, that breaking break glass in case of emergency option with being able to spread teams out when they really have to play catch up in must pass situations. All right. That's, that's, it's an interesting point. And we have not seen it this year. Of course, the Ravens haven't been down by more than one score at any time. They've mm-hmm. had a bunch of, te- they've led by 10 plus in every single game, but they've never been down by more than one score. Incredible. This team is only six and three, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the 19 team, you make the point exactly correctly though. They got, they got into the playoffs. They got into a bad, wind game that started impacting him early with a big turnover early that got turned into points and and the titans pressed and pressed and pressed and and were able to uh you know maintain that despite the ravens you know, trying hard getting a bunch of yards doing a bunch of offensive plays but they just they were stuck in a perpetual situation like the uh, super bowl three Colts of getting close to the goal line and they all of a sudden want to give the football up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's tough but you know, just it's it. You can't just look at one unit. It's all the all the pieces of the team coming together. And on defense, yes, nickel cornerback is. We're not super confident. Every other position on the entire defense, I'm super confident, can yep. be a top three defense, a dominant, dominant defense. So you put the pieces together, and you see, and you roll the dice and see where it goes. Yeah, I, I would actually expect this defense to be top two or three by Devoa for the remainder of the season. And, and some of that is a, is a, um, is okay. Maybe I have to say by Voa because, because the, some of it is the opponents they're facing. I'm really <laughs> expecting him to be able to dominate uh, in those games. But again, if they can get ahead, this is a team that plays, 
Okay, I should say they play very well from the lead, but they haven't so far. So I can't really say that. But but they but they should play extremely well with the lead against some lesser quarterbacks who are going to make lots of mistakes. And we've seen already that you know against Mac Jones, you know they certainly get those mistakes. Uh, you know against other quarterbacks, uh, if you, if you're facing Tua or you're facing Mahomes or you're facing um, uh, Josh Allen, you might not get them to make those same mistakes, and and things don't end up as well. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'm very encouraged. I know this is the offensive podcast, but I like that McDonald has seemingly maybe simplified things just a bit so that he, the other teams are making the mistakes, not the Ravens defensive backs with, uh, you know, fake pressures and some of that stuff that maybe was a little bit too much for the younger players early in the season. Yeah, it, it, it might have disadvantaged. We had this discussion on the defensive pod a little bit, so we don't need to go. But it, when, anytime you, you run a, a sim pressure, and you're dropping players from the A gap, you are undeniably disadvantaging them in coverage somehow. Whatever they have to do to backpedal, get in space, drag a seam, whatever you want them to do, it's harder from the A gap than it is from from you know five yards off ball at linebacker. Right. When you have the when you have great personnel, you don't need to make it super complicated. Yeah, good point. I mean, the 2000 Ravens, we look at that. That wasn't that wasn't all kinds of complicated in terms of the defense. That's for sure. One more comment, and then we'll we'll hit the break. Um, they did a lot of set and chip blocking in particular in this game. So they had 12 set blocks, which is which is a little bit below average, but it's kind of normal when the other team's rushing four a lot that you you uh will will not try and have extra set blockers because your running back leaves the backfield after he sees only four are coming. But they had 17 chip blocks in this game. Obviously, part of what really makes the Saints defense good is those two edge rushers in Davenport and Cam Jordan. And, you know, getting a body on those guys uh, all night was really helped. And both the tackles, we're going to get into this in the second part, really played well as pass blockers in this game in particular. And uh, and it really showed up. I think the chip blocking was a significant portion. Uh, we saw some absolutely decleating chip blocks in this game, one in particular from from Mike Davis early on. Yeah, I think that was the same play where he ended up leaking out and catching yep. the ball and mo- and making a third and short. That was a great play. That was a great play. He upped that Ronnie on the left side. Um, and I thought Hill did a nice job with his chip blocks too in this game. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, Hill, uh, uh, Hill's been a surprisingly good uh, uh, blocker at times. Not, not 100% of the time, but at, at times he's been surprisingly good. And uh, it's really nice to see that. So 1.16 eligible receivers per play used on set and ship blocking is a is a lot. Anyway, uh, one more time here. Your your Twitter handle before we log off for this first episode. Sure. At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. Okay. Great guy to converse with online. Make sure you give him a follow as soon as you uh, finish uh, listening to this episode because uh, he's a he's a good one. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Uh, it is bi-week and I'm looking for additional content. So I'm looking for people who have something they want to be passionate about, something about the Ravens, maybe the first half that you say, this didn't work out. We need to do better. If you have a, if you have a, a clue as to how the Ravens could improve their red zone efficiency and you're passionate about it, love to hear, love to discuss it with you uh, on an episode. So anyway, hit me up. Uh, DMs are always open. Like I said, Voss, thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.